We'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Jessica Ekong. I am a Service Area Chief Human Resources Officer at Providence. As a reminder, the information provided during our event today is for informational purposes only. This event does not create a doctor-patient relationship, um, and any questions or medical advice discussed is not considered guidance on what you should do. For medical questions, please reach out to your primary care physician health or health professional. Now let's get started. Today, uh, joining me are Dr. Roberto Patron, infectious disease physician at Providence, and Dr. Barry Saver, faculty physician at the Swedish Family Medicine Resi Residency in Cherry Hill, and research scientist at the Swedish Research Institute. Welcome, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, please uh, tell us about what you do in your roles um, at Pro with Providence and Swedish. Um, Dr. Patron, let's start with you. Yeah, I, thank you very much for having me over. Um, I'm an infectious diseases physician at uh, Providence. And basically what we do is we provide patient care, both in the inpatient and outpatient settings for people that may have an infectious process. And also during the pandemic, we have been providing uh, expert assistance in planning, executing, and treating uh, patients infected with uh, SARS-CoV-2. Thank you. So what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, as we talk about physicians who have been on the front lines, you are one of those physicians. You've been engaging with patients who've had COVID, engaged in the research, but then also sharing that information um, and studying it. Yes, indeed. Excellent. What about you, Dr. Saver? Um, so I'm a family physician. I'm a, on faculty at the Swedish Cherry Hill Family Medicine Residency. So I teach residents who are, you know, going to be family physicians when they're done. And I see patients. And sort of the other side of me is I have a long career in research where I've spent a lot of time focusing on issues, including health disparities, and how to help patients make better evidence-informed decisions, which is you know part of what led me to really being interested in this, as I've been so concerned about seeing how many people are hesitant about getting vaccinated. Well, let's. I love that segue. So let's jump right in. Let's get the information to the people who need it most. So many have said that they feel like researchers have rushed the development of the COVID nineteen vaccine. Um, how new is it actually? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, Dr. Patron, yes. Okay, so you know, this is a very interesting question. And the easiest 
answer that I can give you. Yes, we went from covering the virus, sequencing the virus, and having a vaccine that is effective, safe, and approved in 11 months. But it took us 20 years of research to get to month zero. mRNA vaccines have been in development since the early 1990s. So by no means was this rushed. In fact, between the two vaccines that are already approved, over 70,000 people received the vaccine of placebo. Wow. That's a lot of people. And you remember all the vaccines took you 20 to 30 years to be able to prevent a deadly illness. So I'm, for once, very happy that we got a vaccine in 11 months, which is really 21 years in development. So they were not rushed. They are just on time. Maybe a little earlier, even better. And let me make sure I understand what you're saying, Dr. Puerto What I, I feel like I'm hearing you say is that um, the process for developing the, uh, the vaccine and the stages that you go through, you have been developing that for the last 23 years. You know, for COVID, that vaccine, are you saying you've been developing that for 20, 20 plus years? Or are you saying the process to be able to um, create the coding, if you will, for that virus, it was just a matter of, you know, what was the element that you needed to be able to um, to develop the COVID vaccine versus the other vaccines? So, very interesting. So, you create a platform for different types of vaccines, and then with all the technology that we have right now, you can just plug in the genetic code or the protein or what you need to do the vaccine. So, yes, the COVID vaccines are 11 months old, because we know COVID for 12 months. But the platform and the technology has been there for 20 years. Ah, thank you for that clarification. Uh, now, Dr. Saver, we just heard Dr. Patron talk about mRNA. You know, I hear people talking about the messenger RNA. What is that? What does it mean? What are we saying when we say that? Okay, so it gets, it's a little technical, but you know, our genes are made of DNA. That's sort of what dictates what we are as human beings or any living organism. But that has to get translated, you know, what we actually are, you know, we're protein, all this fancy stuff. And as it turns out, the way life in general works is our gene in the DNA sort of gets copied into mRNA, which then goes out and controls how proteins are made. So the mRNA is really a copy of the DNA, but the thing that's important to know, some people worry that, oh, well, if we're putting this mRNA, is it going to change my genes? Is, no, it's a one-way process going from, you know, the mRNA to protein. And, you know, some people may have heard, well, there are RNA viruses, and they have a special enzyme that can go the other way, but none of the vaccines have that. So it's actually impossible for the mRNA to change what our genes are. What this is really doing is normal, old, most vaccines, we inject proteins into the body that the immune system recognizes. This is essentially just a way of saying, we're gonna teach the body to make that protein for the immune system because that's quicker to do than actually making the proteins in the lab for the vaccines. 
so fascinating. So does the vaccine contain any controversial substances? You know, some people may want to know, does it contain COVID? Curious to know your thoughts there. Um, nope, it doesn't contain COVID. In fact, the mRNA is broken down very rapidly. So we're only making those proteins for a short time. Um, and, you know, some people worry, like there's some vaccines people are concerned about because they're made with pork gelatin, or they say that, you know, does this involve fetal tissue or whatever? And, you know, it's important to know all vaccines as part of the required safety process for approval at one point are tested in cell lines that were derived from fetal tissue back in the 1950s. And that's just to show that they don't cause damage to those cells because we'd rather find that cells are damaged and not give it to people than hurt people. But like those cell lines were established 70 years ago now or something. And no, so no, uh, no recent fetal tissue, nothing else has ever been involved. And there's, you know, these, there's, there's nothing else in, the vaccine, there are no microchips, there's nothing else in there that's going to cause trouble. <laughs> no, I love that you're saying that. I'm just going to get a second opinion. Dr. Patron, it, you know, does getting the vaccine give you a dose of COVID? I just have to ask. Everyone really wants to know, is there COVID in the vaccine? So there's no COVID in the vaccine. Uh, you are not going to get a virus with any of these vaccines. Vaccines that are not approved in this country may have a dead virus. Uh, which is the way we had done vaccines in the past uh, for a long, long, long time. So no, you are not going to get COVID. You are not going to get SARS from the vaccine. You're not going to get any lethal viruses. The mRNA vaccines have just a little piece of a message RNA like Dr. Saver beautifully explained. Now, I have to clarify for the people, Dr. Patron. So are you saying that there is a dead virus in the vaccine for COVID? In vaccines that are not in this country, they use dead viruses. Okay. So the Chinese here. vaccine and the Russian vaccine use a dead virus. Okay, perfect. So then can I get COVID after I get the vaccine? Not from the vaccine. Um, so remember, the, the viruses have what is called an incubation period, which is the time from the moment that you inhale it or get exposed to it and the time that you get symptoms. For COVID, it's around two to five days. So if I get exposed to somebody with COVID on Monday, very unlikely that I will develop any symptoms until Wednesday, and very unlikely that I will develop symptoms past seven days to 10 days. So if you go to get your COVID vaccine today, and you were exposed yesterday to COVID, you could get COVID two days later, but it's not from the vaccine. It's from the exposure. And this is something that, Usually we don't think about it because when we get vaccinated for pneumonia or when we get vaccinated for the flu, we usually do it before the epidemic. We are vaccinating people in the middle of a pandemic where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of cases. So yes, you could be in line for your COVID vaccine and already been infected unknowingly. Yes, you can leave the vaccination site and cheer that you are done and the next day you go to a bar and you get COVID from the bar. So you do not get COVID for the vaccine. You get it from exposure to people with COVID. And even if you get the vaccine, you have to be wise. I still wear my mask every day. 
despite that I've been vaccinated, I wash my hands, I wear my shield, I don't go to bars, I stay home with my family. So the vaccine is great. You won't get a disease from it. Thank you for letting me gut check, Dr. Saver. Thank you, Dr. Patron, for that response. Um, Dr. Saver, now back to you. So I'm just going to be candid. In my community, some, you know, I have friends and some family members who are like, I'm going to wait till July. I'm going to wait till the July version comes out. You know, what are the pros and cons of getting the vaccine as soon as you're able versus waiting? What are your thoughts? Um, that's one I hear a lot from my patients, too. And, you know, my response is the, at this point, as Dr. Patron mentioned, the vaccines, the two vaccines we have were tested in about 70,000 people total across those two studies. They've now been given to, I think, over 20 million people worldwide. So we have a lot of data about are they safe? You know, are there any rare harms coming up? And there are a few things that, you know, that we can talk about that are maybe a few out of a million people can get a serious side effect. But what we do know is COVID right now in this country has killed about half a million people. It's still a pandemic. So, you know, every day you're not immunized, you're at risk for getting infected. And, you know, in my view, we have such good evidence now that the harms are so tiny, and yet the risks are substantial, you know, particularly for older people, people with chronic illnesses, you know, some of them have a risk of 30, 40% even for dying if they get COVID. Whereas if they're protected, you know, at least 95%, they're protected if they get one of the vaccines we have now. The other thing to think about also is you're not just protecting yourself. If you don't have COVID, then you're not going to expose the other people around you who may not be vaccinated yet. Whereas if you don't get vaccinated and you get COVID, you put them at risk too. I'm hearing a bit of an echo, but I think I'm just curious, um, what would be your, what would you say to individuals who are saying to themselves, I think I'm healthy. I'd rather get COVID than get the vaccine. I'm willing to hedge my bets. You know, um, we both can uh, answer this at the same time. Uh, why risk it? Not only you may die, you may end in the hospital, you may end in the ICU, you may lose time from work, you may give it to your grandma or your grandpa or to your sick uncle or aunt, but also you're exposing yourself to a possibility of long haul COVID, which is being seen now in mild cases when people have symptoms that last weeks, if not months, and we have no idea what's causing this and how to prevent this. So I would say if the vaccine is here and you are eligible and you get offered it, I would say I'll do it because I do not want risk hospitalization, death, infecting my loved ones, infected people that I don't know, I will feel guilty, and also long haul COVID. So follow-up question, Dr. Patron. Um, I'm curious, um, 
is that still your answer for some of the other vaccines that are starting to surface that you may maybe might be having less effectiveness um, that they're reporting? Is, is your advice still the same? And what are your thoughts about these other vaccines? Great question. So first of all, we know very little about the vaccines that are coming, except that some of those may be actually very good vaccines. And remember, you cannot compare two medications or two vaccines unless you compare them face to face in a trial. Different populations, different time that the uh, medication was uh, used, different dosing. What we know is even of some of the new vaccines, while you may hear they're 70% effective, they really are 85 to 100% effective in preventing death and hospitalization. So I would say there's no reason to wait for a different vaccine. The reality is Moderna and Pfizer cannot provide enough vaccines to vaccinate the world. So we, would, we need other companies to help vaccinate everybody. And I would, a big fan of the sooner I am not gonna be at risk of dying from COVID, the better I am. And is it safe to say that if you get the vaccine, even if it's one that has less efficacy, that it's, get, it's giving you protection that you didn't have before? And if you stu still do get COVID, that it is more likely that you will experience it as intense as you as intensely as you would have had you not received any vaccine? I think that's a correct assumption. Uh, the data suggests that at least for instance, an upcoming vaccine that is gonna go through the EUA soon, while uh, they would quote a 72% protection is actually 85% for severe COVID hospitalization or death. I would take 85% rather than 100% risk. 85% protection to me is, is, is great. Many vaccines that we use today do not have 85% protection. Right, and I, I'd agree totally with that. And the other thing I wanted to say in terms of you know, why I'm healthy, I mean, besides long haul COVID, a lot of people don't realize that right now, COVID is, has become one of the leading causes of death for young people in this country. You know, young people don't die much, so you're still not seeing numbers like of older people, but it's a tragedy when somebody dies young when we could have prevented it. So there are lots of good reasons, even if you're young and healthy, if you can get the vaccine when it's offered, that I think whatever one we've got, you know, luckily, you know, I was worried before the election when we kept hearing, oh, it'll come out before a special, you know, that, that didn't happen. And they really stuck to not approving anything till the science was done and out. So I really do feel comfortable with all the vaccines we have and would say, when you can get something, my advice is get it. Thank you for that. We have about five minutes left and I wanna make sure I get in some of the questions that we've heard from our audience. So you've talked about um, some of the long-term implications of getting COVID. Uh, there are people who are concerned about the long-term implications associated with getting the vaccine. Can you just help explain um, how, how we should be thinking about that? I think Dr. Bertrand, you were gonna help us with that one. Oh, 
Okay, um, Dr. Sere wanted to help. We will let him also go. Uh, first of all, we have this vaccine uh, in the market for what, six to eight weeks and a development for several months. Uh, there's no signal for any long-term safety issues with this vaccine. And most side effects from vaccines will be seen in the first 30 to 60 days after inoculation. So we will, we don't know right now, but we know that the people that were studied by Pfizer and Moderna will be continue to study for months and years to come. So there's no signal in this moment for a long-term side effect profile. And with no vaccine that I know of, there are side effects that appear months or years after vaccination. They usually appear in a very short amount of time. Now, if a person has had COVID, should they still get the vaccine, Dr. Patron? So that's a very good question. So yes, the question is the timing. So the CDC clearly said that you have to recover, be uh, asymptomatic. Uh, other experts will say, well, since you do get some protection for around three months, you may wait a little bit longer. Uh, I would say if you get offered the COVID vaccine and you have had COVID recently, wait until you have completely resolved the illness, no fever, no symptoms, and you have passed the uh, quarantine period, and then think about it. But I don't think you should get the vaccine while you are actually infected. Thank you for that. Dr. Saver, so we said no long-term implications. We've not received a signal that we should be concerned about those. What about fertility for men and women? There's no evidence of any harm. I mean, there's no reason to think that it could or should. We know that some women have ended up getting pregnant shortly after they've gotten vaccinated, in fact. But again, you know, this is really just putting a, pro you know, a protein in the body for the immune system to react against. And the other thing, just briefly, there's been some controversy in terms of when women are pregnant and some conflicting re recommendations. But right now, I think everyone is mostly agreeing that there's no reason a pregnant woman shouldn't, and it actually might transfer antibodies to her growing baby so that it comes out already with some protection. Jessica, you're muted. <laughs> Sorry, I said thank you so much. Um, that's actually the first time I've heard that, so I feel like uh, we're hearing some fresh information here today. Um, so are there any people who should wait on the vaccine? For example, people who have allergies, who have a history of getting allergy shots and having a reaction, wh wh what should we be thinking? We're hearing things about allergies, but what does that actually mean for us? Okay, well, what we know is that between two and six out of a million people will have a severe allergic response called anaphylaxis, where they get hives, they have trouble breathing, and that can be fatal. That's really rare. You know, two to six out of a million, um, most, you know, I think most of us, even in vaccination centers, are unlikely ever to see it. Um, it's about a tenth as likely as if you get a penicillin prescription of reacting to that, just to kind of put it in perspective. And the current recommendations are that people not hold off on getting vaccinated if they've, even if they've had that severe anaphylactic reaction to food, if they've had it actually to 
an immunization in the past, then they should consult with their doctor. It's still not clear because we don't know for sure what in the vaccine is really provoking it. So if you've ever had anaphylaxis, you need to let them know at the vaccination center. They'll ask you to stay for half an hour instead of 15 minutes. They're all prepared to deal with it. Another thing that's important to know is even though there have been those rare cases, no one has died from that. So it's, you know, it can be a little scary if you've actually had that, but it's very, very rare. No one's died yet. We know how to treat that and everyone's prepared for it. So, but those are the only people who should, you know, so, or if you got your first shot and you had anaphylaxis, everyone would say, do not get your second. But that's really about it. Now, Dr. Saver, so we get the vaccine. How effective is getting the vaccine from keeping, um, keeping vaccinated people from spreading COVID to others? You know, can I get my vaccine and then run around mask-free? You know, <laughs> am I invincible? Am I invincible from in being infective to others? Talk to me um, about this cape. Talk, talk to me about the cape that's in my arm now. Yeah, well, as Dr. Patron mentioned, you know, I'm the same. I've had my vaccine as a healthcare, both of mine as a healthcare provider. I still wear masks. I wear goggles when I'm seeing patients. You know, even 95% protection is not 100%. And then if we say, well, what about the Johnson & Johnson one that's more like two thirds, much more protective against severe disease, but only about two thirds for getting symptomatic infection. Um, you have to, you know, we want everyone to be safe because we want to stop this from circulating and keep everyone healthy and alive and get back to, you know, more normal lives as soon as we can. So I think everyone is really recommending, yes, you're safer, but no, you don't let your guard down yet, much as we'd all love to. So not quite a cape. Okay, not quite a superpower, but some serious protection. <laughs> no superpower. So, so as we start to wrap up today, I'm just curious, Dr. Patron, Dr. Saver, is there anything else that you would want um, to share with this community about COVID or the vaccine or just, you know, what they should be thinking about as they are making a decision for themselves? Well, okay, I'll start. I mean, to me, like, you know, as we've said, the evidence of safety and benefit is so huge that to me that overwhelms, you know, any concerns. You will hear a lot of crazy stuff out there. There are people who are opposed to all vaccination. And yet when you look at the course of history and the effects of various medical interventions on health care, on health and longevity, vaccines are one of the only ones where you can actually see a major impact. Most of the things we do are affecting comfort, quality of life. Very few really have a major effect on how long people live. You know, after clean water, housing, food, it's pretty much vaccinations. So, you know, my view is no, you know, if you're hearing stuff about, you know, crazy dangers or plots, I would say don't listen to that. You know, there are people who will believe, you know, say all kinds of things, but, you know, whether you're concerned about is this experimentation, the answer is millions and millions of people have had these, they're safe, they save lives in my view. Roberto? 
I ditto all you said. Um, I, I will add that we the best treatment that we have for any infection is prevention. Why do you want to get sick and risk it? And the biggest uh, advances in medicine were vaccination for deadly illnesses like smallpox that is eradicated, polio that caused death and disability in millions of people, measles, mumps, you name it. And these diseases were not uh, controlled by drugs or medications. They were controlled by vaccines and by people doing the right thing. So my last recommendation will be protect yourself, get the vaccine if you can, and be safe. Thank you for that. Um, I just have one last one last question as we close up. Um, either collectively or separately, do you mind going over the common side effects um, as a uh, associated with getting the vaccine? We've heard a lot of different things, um, but just even a general sense of what what is considered normal at this point. So I will go first, and then I'll let Dr. Sayer finish. We all heard the word reactogenicity which means you get a vaccine, your immune system realizes you're getting a foreign substance. And so you are gonna have a little bit of shoulder pain when the vaccine was injected. 85% of people will get shoulder pain. You will have a low grade temperature or some fatigue or some tiredness for one, two or three days. That's your immune system working. That's your immune system guided body I know you gave me the vaccine and I'm gonna work for it. Those are expected normal reactions to the vaccine, more common in the younger population than in the older population and fairly common, I got them. So I will tell you, this, those are no side effects, those are expected reactions to the vaccine. The one that people get concerned about is the big swollen red shoulder. That's actually a late reaction to the vaccine. It's not an anaphylaxis, it's not an allergy. And that has been seen with other vaccines and it will go away. And uh, Dr. Saber, I'll let you have your time too. Yeah, I don't have much to add. It's like, yeah, especially after my second shot, I got a bunch of those. You know, I, I sort of warn people, try not to schedule anything you have to do on the day after. And some people, you know, it can last two or three days. Most typical, mostly what I'm hearing is sort of the day after is not a fun day, especially the second one. But, you know, it's a small price to pay for something that can save your life and save the lives of your family and loved ones. Dr. Saver, Dr. Putron, thank you so much for your time today. Um, your commitment to this conversation is so important um, to many communities, but just to what's happening in the world right now. So I wanna say thank you. For those of you who are watching, you saw me nodding and raising my hand. That was me affirming each of the expected reactions that I did experience. Um, and so you have three vaccinated uh, individuals on the screen today. Uh, again, thank you for joining us, um, everyone for listening in and sending in your questions. Uh, to learn more about our initiatives, programs and services and ways to give, or if you're looking for medical care, please visit providence.org. Again, that's providence.org. And make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System for LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and under Providence on Twitter. Mm -hmm.